0: Um, And especially in smaller teams, like they have to be wearing many different hats. So I think um, to start is just by understanding both your customers and your prospects. So with your customers is understanding why did they end up picking your product? What was the challenges that they went through and what got them to realize enough is enough. Let's look for something that solves it. And then for the prospects, it's kind of like keeping up to date with um, some of the trends, with some of the challenges that they're facing. And then, how do you bring those conversations conversations to life? What are the interactions that make sense for us to facilitate these conversations?
1: Welcome, everybody! Thanks for joining Community Decoded Podcast. Uh, tuning into this uh, podcast where I speak to like a lot of community leaders outside uh, who build passionate communities. Uh, be it like for work, out of like you know, out of their passion or hobby, and I get like very energized. When I when I talk to these folks, and today I have one of the one of the awesome community builders uh, that I recently got to know about. Uh, you know, without further ado, welcome to the show, Danny. How how are you doing?
0: Yeah, um, Sharath, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm good. How about yourself?
1: Absolutely, yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm very excited to like unpack a lot of things that you did uh, in your experience for and the folks who don't know about Danny. let me actually give you guys like a brief intro. If I want to explain what Danny did in the past, I'll tell you this. Danny is a pro at planning, organizing, and executing community events. Like she mastered it. She produced like so many outcomes by hosting a lot of, you know, uh, conferences, podcasts, and my God, like so many marketing events that actually revolve around people and community. So uh, she, in short, like she's like kind of the master of hosting events and which I, which is something I want to like uncover as well. she recently got laid off at mutiny, an AI powered no code tool where she built a community of B2B marketing leaders from scratch and scaled to a thousand plus members which is you know just not a not a joke. so and she also previously worked for some brands like uh, Procurify, Lumenfy, where she nurtured communities and also like handled a lot of comps. And that's one of the things like we do as community you know people in, in working at startups. We switch a lot of hats and you did like so many things uh, like I said, like being a podcast host and like writing comms or taking care of that as well as hosting these events and whatnot. So uh, yeah, that, that's about Danny and let's let's get into the show. I'm excited to like unpack a lot of her experience in events. but right off the bat, I do have I, I do ask this question to every guest. When did you fell in love uh, with the community space?
0: Yeah, so I think this was during uh, my time when I was still doing PR and communications. I mm. realized that the more traditional media world was slowly dying, so to speak. Um, so it, it was a pretty sad trend. But th- mm. at the same time, I realized um, the best companies, the most innovative companies out there, they were able to kind of get their brand presence out there and also nurture their fans and customers through Some sort of community. And I think community can be defined in many ways, depending on how other people define it. But to me, it's like, how do you involve the people that surround your product and space? Um, And Mm -hmm. how do you nurture that? So um, that's kind of how I got my toes into the space where um, we realized that, hey, you know, traditional PR was not cutting it. How do we reach like a new um, area for our prospects? And we were like, yeah. maybe we can do some events. Maybe we can bring our customers in a space and get them to share ideas together. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. the community function was born.
1: I think you you kind of uh, touched upon an interesting, well, it's not very interesting. It's actually becoming very popular, which is building a community is a modern way to approach your users or prospects or, you know, uh, like you said true fans like that's like a modern way you know and doing multiple community initiatives is is kind of your uh your way of expressing as a startup as well as you know as a team right and i love i love the way you put it uh talk to me about your experience at Mutiny. uh you've built this community you've hosted conferences there and you also kind of did like a lot so let's talk about the the first thing which is you know you build a community from scratch for b2b marketing leaders right so what was the early days look like what did you do differently that you know you want to like share with us today
0: yeah so at mutiny we found that there was an opportunity in the space um in b2b marketing because there was Mm -hmm. a lot of pay-to-play communities that are really great like pavilion for example And also a lot of really amazing communities for executives and marketing like CMOs or CEOs and founders with marketing background. But the Mm -hmm. marketing practitioner that are mature in their career, they don't really have um, as many options. You know, there's like communities out there for specific titles like RevOps, for example, or Mm -hmm. um, something like product marketing. But um, there wasn't a space for them to have that intersectional conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, we had this opportunity to really build a community of our own. Only because a lot of the people that were using our product are also people who are very revenue driven marketers who cared a lot about the, uh, the conversion space, for example, like knowing your metrics. So um, yeah. we were thinking there's both a gap um, in the community space for these you know mid-level B2B marketers, but also uh, there was a gap in getting our customers to actually learn from each other. So we decided to marry the two. And we created mm-hmm. this community called M2, which um, it's kind of like, you know, the next generation of marketers, but we called it modern marketers.
1: Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Modern marketers. That's why M2. Okay, two Ms. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah.
1: I, l- I like the way you kind of blended both uh, the persona you're targeting as well as the users, you know, you're already addressing, right? Like I I feel it's becoming like this playbook where you go after and chase a persona and you click quickly like figure out a way where these for example in your case like marketing leaders and who can talk to like people who are using mutiny right talk to me about uh, if one should build a community around a persona how do they do that
0: mm-hmm. so i think it's identifying what people care about and what drives them and also some of the opportunities like challenges in their lives um, that they're it's hard for them to solve just by reading Mm -hmm. articles alone because I think um, a lot of times especially for the marketing persona um, and also I would say like the finance persona which is another persona I've worked with um, they're Mm -hmm. a lot of times um, feeling alone you know they have to solve a lot of challenging problems alone um, and especially in smaller teams like they have to be wearing many different hats so I think Mm -hmm. um To start is just by understanding both your customers and your prospects. So with your customers, it's understanding why did they end up picking your product? What was the challenges that they went through and what got them to realize enough is enough? Let's look for something that solves it. And then for the prospects, it's kind of like keeping up to date with um, some of the trends, with some of the challenges that they're facing. And then how do you bring those conversations, conversations to life? What are the interactions that make sense for us to facilitate these conversations?
1: Mm. And is, is that is M2 an open community, invite-only? What's the deal?
0: Yeah, so in the beginning, we actually had a little bit of a debate on this. Um, so some folks on the team, they wanted it to be like an open community. You know, a right. lot of um, the communities have this playbook of like growing as fast as they can. And then sure. the other side, which I believed in, uh, we wanted to focus more on quality, So we actually made it like a closed community where it was invite only. So you couldn't actually just join. Um, You had to apply to get in or get a Mm. referral from an existing member. The reason why we decided to do this was um, we surveyed like the first cohort of the people that we wanted in the community. And we asked them, what was something that um, in other communities you don't like? And what are some of the things that you're really craving to get if there was a community that suited your needs? And one of Mm -hmm. the things that they mentioned was that a lot of the communities that they were already in had a lot of noise. So like random folks were joining, the conversations weren't actually up to speed to what they actually care about. And Got also it. they mentioned that some of them, they're a little bit shy. Like if there's too many people in the community, they feel like they cannot really contribute or share freely. So mm. that's one thing where we um, uncovered that, hey, maybe there is a possibility to really keep it really niche, but keep it really intimate so that we can focus on quality.
1: That's amazing. I feel, I really like the question that you put in front of people, uh, that's clever because you're actually touching upon a pain point and it, it filters out a lot, right? Like even though they have, the quality I feel can be decided in many ways, but to me, I feel in your case, the way you filtered out is based on the pain. Like people who are really craving for this community are going to actually put in the work you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't I think that's a great way to like filter it out and I love that talk to me about uh, some of the pros of having invite only which I think quality is one of them but what are the unobvious uh, pros and that's one question this part two of that is What's like some of the disadvantages, like, you know, having invite only? I know, your, I know the answer in a bit, but I want to like probably like hear from you and kind of your elaboration on that.
0: Yeah. So the pros, I think some of the business benefits is that when you do like an invite only community from the get go, you can get more information from your prospects that are joining the community. So you right. can get really clear with asking them some specific questions like what are some of the three main challenges you're facing in your role? And you can mm. even ask them a little bit about why they want to join your community. And then that could be qualitative insights for your sales team, for example, once you get to know them better and nurture them later down the funnel. Mm. So that's that's one thing. Mm. I think another thing that's a benefit that other people may not understand as well is that you can build like a more specific workflow and a better journey for these community members. So mm. when you're focused more on the quantity and try to get as many people as you can in the community, Unfortunately, mm. you have to build processes that really scale and you know, make it easy for them. But um mm. when you focus on like invite-only community, you can give them more of a personalized approach because you're mm. dealing with less people, you can also make it so that it's more uh, human, um where you might want to hop on a call with a community member to onboard them, make them feel right. like, you know, they're part of class of 2023. Right. So mm-hmm.
1: what what are the cons? Like uh, uh the pros, yes. I do have like a follow up questions there, but what do you think the disadvantages or something that's uh, that, that bothered you when you were building M2?
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest challenges for community members is getting engagement in the early days, because you don't really have mm. that many people. And when you're right. building an invite only community on top of that, it's even harder. So how we counterbalance that was really to pick like a first cohort of the people that we wanted in the community. And these are the people that are usually more familiar with our brand. So they're either like a fan or they're Mm -hmm. a customer. And we made it really clear to them that it was a privilege um, for them to be selected to join because this community is going to be invite only, but we want you in there first so that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can build this with us. So we Mm -hmm. gave them a sense of ownership. And also because it was a very small group, it was very easy to do tests, like what topics are really staying in the community? What are the types of events that people love the most? And then um, also because people feel like they're part of the early days, you know, they feel a sense of ownership. So when other people eventually join, they're kind of leading within the community. So that's mm. kind of how we countered it. But there were definitely phases where um, because it's a smaller community, engagements rates dipped a little bit if we didn't have anything going on. So I think um, one of the big challenges is making sure you have a plan for how do you really keep the community engaged, especially if the community member, let's say, like, sorry, the community um, manager like myself, like if I'm on vacation or we're going on offsite, what are some right. of the always on activities? And then what are some of the activities that are like moment in time? For example, like the mm. community roundtable or like a larger conference.
1: Mm. I like that. And uh, were, is that always your goal of not having engagement as your primary goal? Because a lot of community builders, when they build or are about to build communities, engagement will be like you know either one of the top five goals like they want like attack right and in your case what you said is absolutely a kind of realistic which is when you have like a small set of people you won't get like tons of reactions or comments or like you know discussions being floating around like crazy (laughs) that's that's reality and what was your philosophy like how did you uh kind of communicated that with your leadership team, the founders at Mutiny and like the rest of the team, hey, it's a slow process. It's like slow cooking. It it won't happen overnight. It, it'll happen over time, right? So I want to understand your, your way of communicating that to the leadership team or anybody else in the team.
0: Yeah, so how we thought of the community philosophy was kind of like a similar idea, like a marketing funnel where you had your content, right? Um, you had your ungated content, but your gated content. So for us, it's like we have all the free content out there that's ungated. And then for the more gated stuff, you have to be in the community to get access to that. So again, that was already something where community members would get something special besides our typical prospects that are just surveying our website or our space. And then the second level of that is that um, we presented to leadership like the community is essentially a way for us to nurture all the people that are not yet ready to buy with our current customers who are loving our product. So it's a space for them to have natural conversations with each other. So the community in itself, um, that's not the space where we look at the impact, it's around what do people do in the community that makes all the impact. So for yeah. us, um, some of the metrics that I personally measured are like, what percentage of the community has attended um, one of our events? And then from those events, um, what is the percentage of the people that actually converted into like a final sales prospect? And then you know what, what did the pipeline look like afterwards? So that's um, what I focus on is just um, looking at like from the community members, what happened next rather than the overall um, metrics in the community itself.
1: Mm. And you, so gated, ungated is I think probably the best way to lure uh, people in when, when you want to like, you know, high qu- build a high quality community. Uh, where do you put a line? Meaning how do you know that when you ungate a content, that is valuable but yet it's like it's okay to give it for free and when do you know this content should be gated like there should be there should be some sort of rules that you you should have made when you Mm -hmm. did like m2 Uh, i don't know i want to understand or unpack how did you differentiate it gated versus ungated
0: yeah so i think um for ungated it's anything that you know you would essentially be able to search on Google or find, we would try to make um, a piece of content that essentially um, hits a higher bar of quality. But it should mm. probably follow something where, um, think about like it's something people are probably searching for from an SEO standpoint, like answering people's questions. But anything beyond that, like for example, like a process flow or um, some sort of document in which it will be hard for you to get just from a Google search, I think that's something mm. where it would be, um, extra value. So for example, like some of the things we created with a community, we have like this course, um, that we call the conversion Academy, where we actually go step by step. Here's how you can run like a conversion program. And there's templates right. that you can also download as well, where, um, we do give you for free, but we do ask for, you know, your email and your information just because that's okay. not something that you would normally be able to get for free online, especially if it's like very detailed.
1: Right. And, uh, what, what, did you get like a backlash or anything that you've kind of encountered that it can be from either team or like from community that these guys get a lot of content like i do i have to like really be there so how did you handle some of the things that you didn't expect or did that ever happen when you're building this m2 community
0: yeah so for some, some of the events especially the in-person events right like we Because of budget reasons, we can only do it at some of the major cities. So for the community members that were in either remote or they were in like smaller cities, unfortunately, we didn't have any um, in-person events for them. So Hmm. they were like, hey, you know, when is it time for us to be able to attend one of them? And Hmm. to kind of mitigate that, we also had uh, online versions of the events that we ran in person. And also we made recordings and um, the event, um, I guess the overview for them as well. So our head of content, every single time we did a community event, he would take the recording and he would actually create a blog post where it summarizes the takeaways. And also, um, we give people who couldn't attend the event, the opportunity to ask the, our panels questions. So for example, we would say like, Hey, uh, Sharath from Thredo will be here for one of our panels. Um, hmm. do you have any questions for him? And then we'll record that panel in person. And then, uh, get the insights back into the community for folks that couldn't join.
1: Mm, That's clever. That's, I think, kind of, I like the feedback. The loop that you've built, you know, so that nobody's left behind. Uh, Mm -hmm. So one of the things I saw on your LinkedIn, one of the accomplishments, I would say, is that you kind of, like, helped the team drive close to, like, $3 million in pipeline from the community. How did you do that? How the heck (laughs) did you do that? That's no feed. And the number two point... Follow up question is like, how did you measure it? Like, what are the things that you did to like, you know, reach, reach that goal?
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, a few things for just building the community and self and growing it. So, we had a few different segments, and this is common in, in many SaaS companies. So, we had our customers, we had our prospects. So, specifically, like our ABM list of prospects, and also our general list of prospects where it may not be like an enterprise company, but you know, a company we can serve, and mm-hmm. then the third um, component is our partners. So Mm -hmm. with these three, um, those were some of the targets for our community. And then Mm -hmm. when we were creating any sort of programs for the community, we also thought about how can we attach ourselves to some of the larger events that were already happening in the marketing space? So for example, Saster, that's a big event. B2B MX, that's a big event. So um, my philosophy at Mutiny was that we would never go to an event um, just with like a simple booth and promote our product. It always mm-hmm. had to tie back to the community. And that's how we will build our brand from there. Uh, so mm-hmm. for example, when we went to Saster, um, we had this CMO luncheon where we had some of the best CMOs um, in SAS attend that luncheon. But mm-hmm. we also gave opportunity to our community members um, a few free tickets for the practitioners to be able to actually meet these CMOs in person. So that was like a big perk. Oh. Yeah, so that was um, some of the types of events where community members were able to get access. But if you weren't in a community member, like you couldn't. So that was Mm. one thing. Another thing was that um, we would also do, for example, like in-person dinners and happy hours where we would have a mix of community members there. So um, exclusive invites for them, but Mm. also um, at the same time, we would invite like our ABM prospect list there. So those were the really the prospects we wanted to close. But because Mm. we are the community members there, um, they would also do the selling for us. We didn't even need to say anything. They would just say like, oh, I've used Mutiny at a past role. Or they would say like, oh, yeah, I've seen Mutiny's brand everywhere. I want to be able to consider it. And then when the prospects there, they were like, wow, if all these people are already talking about Mutiny, like I got to check it out as well. So Mm. um, for the next step, I made sure that we had uh, one Mutiny person sit at each table for um, each of these events and take very Mm. specific notes, like what they care about, what they talked about, who was sitting with them. And then um, after the event is over, we would do two things. So we would um, send them an invite to the community saying, hey, this is not just a one-time thing. We have a group where you can meet these people and it's always on.
1: And then right. the second
0: thing is that like, hey, um, no pressure if you want to see what Mutiny could do for you and you know, see why all these people love us. Um, here's an opportunity to meet with our sales team. So keeping it more open-minded open, uh, there instead of just saying like, hey, hop on a demo.
1: I love that. I feel you're kind of... You incentivized your prospects in a high-value way. It's not like mm-hmm. uh, the usual regular, also effective ways like you know giving swag or giving some sort of like subscriptions for free or like giving extending their trial and like you know proving the value exists with the product. But I feel this works really well, especially in your persona where conferences are such a key and you give access to the highest like high talented cmos and probably like people who should have craved for those five tickets or 10 tickets right that created like a lot of buzz uh i love that and you've you have by far so far we've been in 20 minutes of the conversation and you talked all things about events like events there events here conferences there here Why do you think events play such a big role, number one? And what are some things that you learned, even at Mutiny, you know, previous experience at LumenFi and so so on and so forth, that hosting events uh, will actually move the needle?
0: Mm -hmm. So I think from a community standpoint, events give people a reason to get together. So I think there's different personalities out there, but I would say majority of people, they're, they feel a little intimidated to be thrown in a group um, without knowing how they can participate. But when you have an event in front of them, it gives them a reason to want to come. And then because there's a topic around the event, it um, essentially opens up the conversation for whatever that topic is. So I would say from a community standpoint, it makes sense. Um, From a sales or business standpoint, like events allows you to really uh, get in front of your prospects in a way that is not just sales, but um, more around how you can help them solve their problem. So people are already um, people who really want to advance their careers. They're already thinking about how can they learn. They may not be able to ready to be buy, to to buy your product, but when they come to these events, they're really right. looking to solve a problem. So if you're able to kind of prove to them that you're a thought leader in the space and that um, the product does solve their problem, plus you understand their pain points, mm-hmm. then they're more readily um, able to want to convert down the line.
1: That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. any uh, any tips for people who attempt to double down on events that you want to share like there 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 are a lot of things that you need to take care of as as a host organizer like there is a there is prep there's like logistics issues and like you know if it is a IRL event there are like partners and so on and so we can talk about that that can be a separate episode itself. But how to effectively host events? And what are the tips that you can give for for our mm-hmm. listeners?
0: So I think um, two things that are the hardest for myself and probably other people. So one, what is the event about? And two, how do we get the right folks to the event? So I think those are the two, two main things that are a challenge normally. So for number one, um, it goes back to understanding your audience once again. So what are some of the things that people care about? And the good thing mm-hmm. is that if you're also a community ma- uh, manager, you can get that from your community. You can Mm. even use your community, source ideas for an event, source speakers for an event, or to test out some event ideas you already have. So that's Mm. one thing that we leveraged when we had M2, where um, Mm. we would send out polls to say, hey, we want to run a roundtable for 20 to 30 marketers um, around ABM. What are some of your challenges with ABM? And got people to submit some of their ideas for events. We would also ask people after we finish an event, what is something that you want to hear from next? And then mm. we would uh, survey that from the audience and people would be able to like type it out or you know message me to give some new ideas. So that mm. was one piece. It's just sourcing ideas on what actually would stick. Um, the other half of it is just how to get people to the event. So um, my philosophy is that you never want to just do it yourself. You always want to mm. steal other people's audiences. So right. uh, by going to conferences and doing the event near the conference or even at the conference, um, that's one way to be able to steal the audience's uh, already existing sure. Yeah. Already existing audiences. So um, I think um, you can do it either like you don't even need to go to the conference. You just need to be where the conference is and you can host an event there. And again, Mm -hmm. the community tie in is that like what do community members get from the event that's special instead of like the other people that are attending. So that's that's one piece. Mm -hmm. And then also um, another way to steal other people's audiences is doing it with partners like you mentioned. So who are the other companies or organizations in the space that share a similar ICP? And Mm -hmm. is there an opportunity for you guys to co-market the event together? And maybe you can bring in one of their executives to be able to speak on a panel, for example, for like a different opinion.
1: Hmm. I love that. Meaning, I feel uh, you're more tactical. Like, you know, I think your way of looking at a community is, uh, I mean, it's a good thing. It's an amazing thing. Like very few have that uh, instincts of converting community into prospects and prospects into potential users and potential users into like you know paid customers right like uh, that flow is really something that you kind of nailed it uh, what inspired you to actually pursue that route i feel there is a there is a blend of sales in you when you speak there is a mm-hmm. blend of marketing there's an angle of marketing there is also an angle of uh, community obviously and what inspired you to like choose that this is the right path to go? I mean, that 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 should be like your foundation when you do all these things, right? Like events you talk about and you're building like a tight loop, which you're intact with them and you hear them and you kind of like, you know, push them to the top of the funnel. So talk to me about like your inspiration of doing all mm-hmm. this.
0: Yeah, so to me, I think um, what community does is that it could drive your entire JDM strategy. So that's why um, I bring in a lot of sales. I bring in a lot of like field marketing
1: because essentially
0: the community is a place for you to be able to tap into like the who's and why's of whatever channels that you're building. And then um, after those channels, you know, the projects are uh, released, then how do you get those prospects back into a loop where they can really have conversations with each other but keep your brand, um, you know, top of mind. So that's kind of how I think about it. Because I feel like if you only think about a community as a separate entity, Mm. um, sometimes it's very difficult for you to really see the bigger picture of how it connects with other functions in the business. Mm. Um, And also, I think it depends on your company size as well, and also goes back to why you want to build a community. So for us, um, we were like a smaller startup. You know, we were in in just Ray Series B when I first joined Mutiny. Mm. Uh, We didn't have a lot of budget. You know, we didn't have that many customers, so it didn't make sense for us to build a customer-only community. But one thing that we always wanted to focus on was new pipeline, as I'm sure with a lot of the listeners who are in startups, right, exactly. (laughs) So we were like, how do we build pipeline, but also get our customer voices in there, but also be able to really engage like this group of marketers that we know are looking for something that is more intimate and that they want to advance their career. So we were like, let's build a community, but let's not make it just about like an actual online community. Let's Hmm. make it touch other areas of our GDM functions.
1: I love that. Yeah. Like I said, right? I think you have this uh, sharp sword like nature where you really like attack, you know, from day one. I feel it's it's business, right? So, which is really important to, you know, grow as, as a startup. And you want one of the things to mention is field marketing. So, a couple of questions. One, can you share like a, like a solid playbook that you've uh, honed in when you build a mute M2 at? Mutiny and like the rest of the experience you had. And given everything, that's part one of my question. Part two is given everything's becoming more online, it's still online. I know IRL is coming back, which is good. Uh, talk to me about what are the things that people can do online? Like it's not field, in field, like you know, on the ground, but what are the things that other people can do to actually ramp up their pipeline? Convert the prospects into paid customers. So yeah, a couple of questions there for you.
0: Yeah. So from a field standpoint, I think it's understanding like what are some of the existing events out there that your prospects are already attending? Hmm. And what are some of the playbooks that you can really employ um, at these events already? So, um, of course, getting a booth and everything, that's one way to do it. That's the more traditional way to do it. But if you're only going to have the booth there and hoping you can convert people like that's um, that's obviously not going to work as well as if you had other um, components in there. So how we thought about it, like we did have booth at a lot of the events that we went to, but the booth was there for people to actually uh, get to the next step of the action. So, for example, um, at Saster, like for people to attend one of our events. They Mm. actually had to come to the booth to get a physical wristband so that we know um, they're checked in for the event. Mm. So this kind of forced a conversation for the prospects to meet um, one of our team Mm. members, but also the human-to-human interaction allows them to see that we're actually humans as well. We are humans behind a brand. And that um, also there's opportunities for them to see, oh, there's other M2 members as well. I finally get to meet Mm. them in person. There's that element. And I think also um, thinking about you know, how can you also leverage some of the other brands that are at a field event and work together? So um, a few of our partners, for example, we saw their logos um, at like a conference, and we simply pinged them to say like, hey, what are some things you guys are doing? And can we Mm. tag along? So we also had, um, I would say, like partnership plays where M2 co-sponsored an event um, that Mm. someone else ran, but we gave our members' free tickets, for example, and vice versa. We ran an M2 event, and we gave our partners free tickets for them to bring in some of their members. So Mm -hmm. that cross-collaboration, I feel like, makes it really awesome for both sides of the party and also makes a great experience for our members because they got Mm -hmm. to meet other new people.
1: It's awesome. And part two, what are the things that people should do when they're not on field? Like, how can they still make an impact by doing uh, online events, for example?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So I think um, it depends on like what kind of events you want to do. So I would probably break it down to like smaller group events um, and also larger virtual conferences where like larger facilitated events. And we did both. Mm -hmm. So for the smaller ones, um, I think from my end of the things, it's to give people a safe space to be able to talk freely amongst people with similar titles without Mm -hmm. having the need to feel like they're on a panel, you know, feeling the pressure of that. So we right. ran, for example, um, bi-weekly roundtables where we just kind of like dove deep into one topic. Like, hey, how do people build a uh, target account list for APM, for example? And then people like right. literally share their screens with templates that they use, messaging that they use. And people love these because um, they were able to actually have like a virtual room of people that are going through the similar challenges and work through it together, right. almost like little workshops. Mm-hmm. So that was um, one piece of the virtual type events that people loved. So when we run virtual events, one thing we think of is that um, what are some of the things people love about in-person events and how do we mimic that oh. experience on an online mm-hmm. setting? So mm-hmm. a few things that people mention mentioned in person are like, you know, being able to um, really see the person um, in person, like being able to have that intimate connection. Mm-hmm. Another thing is the interactivity, um, being able to, you know, uh, have a say in what was mm-hmm. happening rather than having to just watch. So that mm. was one thing that we um, surveyed from the audience. Mm. So that's kind of how the roundtables took place, where um, we we uncovered those two main wants from the community members and then we created mm. that for them. And, and then um the
1: good good, good. This is man, this is very interesting stuff. I love I love that. Good, ahead, good.
0: Ahead. Oh yeah. Um, and I was just gonna say the other piece was larger events. Um so for example, we did like an online virtual conference with um one of our partners. And this was kind of um, solving the need for people wanting to hear from some of the influencers in the space, but they couldn't attend an in-person conference. So Mm -hmm. we brought in some of the most popular speakers in B2B SaaS. And we were like, let's do an event um, online where it kind of mimicked that uh, conference style event where it's about watching the sessions, but then also being able to ask these amazing leaders questions that you've already had on your mind. And um, the community members really had that special interaction with them because you were able to ask questions even before the event happened. So then we yep. made sure that when we actually ran the event, um, the moderator was able to surface some of the questions from the community.
1: Mm, I love that. I, I, I was about to ask about larger events and these virtual conferences. Uh, how do you engage? Like it's so out of your control because you, you, you're you not in person, you don't make that human human connection but you still want to keep them on their toes and get the best engagement when I say engagement it's not like people commenting on zoom you know these hype comments that's not what I meant what I mean is how do you make them involve right like in these sessions uh, what are some any any tricks or trips uh, tips you want to share
0: Yeah. So I would say, like, imagine your community is an extension of like your creative team when you're building these events. So, even Mm. from the get go, like, what should the conference be about? You know, that could be a question to community members. Hey, if Mm. I were to build a conference around what you guys care about, like, does A, B, or C make sense? Or even like an open ended question. If you were to attend a virtual conference in the next three months, like, what should it be focused on? And just get people talking. Um, And then I would say, even from a speaker standpoint, let's say you have. Five speakers that you wanted to book, but you only have space for one. That could be a Mm. question. Hey, community members, like if you were to pick out of these five speakers, which one would you be most excited for and get them involved from the get-go? And Mm. then um, as you start building the pieces of the event, for example, once you get the landing page up, once you kind of commit to a few speakers, Mm. you can tease that in the community first before you post it on social or on email, where you Mm. can say, hey, we heard you, you know, like you voted for this we gave you what you wanted um, and now we're looking for the next piece of feedback, for example, and just keeping, keeping playing on that.
1: Mm. And
0: then um, you will have a already a natural loop of hype being built up in the community where they feel like, Oh, I was kind of part of the journey from the beginning and now it's coming to fruition. I want to be part of it.
1: Mm. I love that. Uh, when you bring these partnerships how do you filter them out on on the highest impact and what are the things that people should actually like keep keep in mind when they scout for partners?
0: Mm -hmm. So I would say number one is probably ICP fit, uh, making sure that the partner is also serving an audience that's similar to your prospective customers. So um, I would say that's probably one of the major things um, and you know, if you're uncomfortable asking the question, like, what's what's your immediate ICP? You can say, like, hey, if you were to close some of the companies that you're looking for in the next, let's say, year or so, wow. like, what are some of the logos you wanted to win? That's
1: and incredible. that kind of
0: usually gives you um, a pretty clear understanding. So that's yeah. one. The second, I would say, is reach. Um, so some companies, they may share your same ICP, but they may be, like, way too small.
1: Hmm. Or maybe
0: they're way too big. Maybe they don't actually work with other companies like yourself Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I'd say like getting an understanding um so one question you can ask is like hey um do you have an idea of like what kind of events or what kind of um opportunities you are investing in in your marketing strategy in the next quarter or so Mm -hmm. and that will give you an understanding of like what they're actually looking at or even a simple question um are do you have a community um (laughs) with your brand right like if they Mm -hmm. have a community then they probably invest in similar programs and then you can Mm -hmm. really talk from there
1: That's so clever. I feel some of your uh, tips are so smart (laughs) and they're simple too. They're just like, I think they're the ones I feel we all should focus on uh, asking these subtle questions, but that will actually open up uh, a door to like collaborate and whatnot. Uh, Before we wrap up, I want to ask like, I saw your post, recent post about, you're you're about to announce the next steps, what you're embarking on, right? And I love the whole post about like some of the lessons you share. You shared when you're doing job hunt. So what's next for Danny?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a really exciting time, I would say, like in my life. Um, so I've joined a lot of startups and being like one of the first marketers on the team. You know, worn many hats. I'm sure with a lot of your listeners. Yeah. But I think it's time um, in my career to actually not jump into another full time role for now and actually mm-hmm. focus on making an impact. Mm. Um, from a fractional consulting standpoint. Mm. So I'm working with quite a few exciting companies right now on building like their community and Mm. their uh, field marketing strategy. So Rippling Mm. is one of the companies I'm working with right now. So I'm helping them build their customer community from scratch. So that's Mm. one exciting project. Um, And then also consulting with some of the smaller startups that I'm working with. So for people that are looking to um, explore like whether community could be something that really drives... Their uh, pipeline. That's something that I'm happy to chat with. You know, just even exchange knowledge or tips and tricks.
1: I love that. I love that. I think this episode. I I haven't thought our title about actually the work in progress title for this is how to host high impact community events like a champ. That was that was like the the title. But I think now that I've now that we went to the conversation, I want to change it to. How to use community to build a solid pipeline for your startup? I feel that should be the title for this because all of the things that you do, uh, you did in the past, right now you're doing, you know, kind of related to that. Uh, Danny, thanks you, thank you so much for dropping all the knowledge and the experience, the tips and you know playbooks, whatnot, with us. Uh, Would definitely we'll we'll include all of your you know info, the consulting, you know, and everything. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up?
0: Yeah, uh, just want to say like thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the show, Sharath, and hope to chat with you soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's keep in touch for sure. And for folks who are listening, you know she's very active on LinkedIn. Danny, uh, you can reach out to her, and we'll we'll put all her links in the show notes. Uh, but thanks for tuning in again. We have amazing guests like Danny coming onto the show and sharing you know incredible wisdom and tactical knowledge uh, and whatnot. So. Uh, yeah stay tuned for more more of these episodes and that's a wrap for today cheers guys